Amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. We need that. I need it. You say, well, you sure the sun's coming up in the morning? It will one morning. Right? May not be tomorrow morning, but I'm glad one day, one day everything's going to be set in order. I want you to turn to John chapter 3, and I was going to just read John uh, verse 16, but I want to begin actually in verse 15, and I want to share also another scripture with you. I uh, heard someone mention this. They've been Brother Rackley. Uh, I was watching one of their services, and I pray for him. His son's not doing well. Uh, he's not been doing well for some time, but uh, Brother Rackley had to cancel a meeting last week. Um, to, uh, uh, to be with his son, he's, he's got some health issues, and um, I know he'd appreciate, uh, appreciate you praying for them. I, I th- he was saying this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, we know the scripture, the Bible said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Well, a lot of times we start, stop right there, right? Uh, but the scripture goes on and says, but exhorting one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. So the, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, that's what we're doing right here. Amen. And people say, well, I don't have to go to church, right? And I think when you start talking about church attendance preacher, you know, well, God's telling us right here that we need to go more as we see the day approaching. Well, notice what it says exhorting one another I thought is, the, is there anybody as, as we see the day approaching we know brother Matt things are going to get worse can we do we see that can we agree this year honestly was worse than last year we see more discouragement more hurt right are you there so if the Lord does not come back next year, guess what? It's probably going to be worse. Which means if the, the church, the assembling place of the believers, the family, if the assembling place of the family is a place of exhortation, are we not going to need more exhorting next year than we need this year? Right? So why as we... We say, well, things are getting worse. People aren't wanting to go to church. Well, the opposite should be true. The worse things get, the more we should want to go to church because the more exhortation we are to get from church, which means if we're going to get exhortation, we need to be the ones exhorting one another, right? Not just the preacher, not just the preaching, but that's the reason you come. We don't come here for gossip. We don't come here for destruction, right? We don't come here to... to uh, clicks and all that's not what we're here for we're here to exhort one another because you say well nobody understands what I'm going through maybe not but maybe something they say will exhort you well tomorrow if I go through trials brother Paul sang that song uh, things are getting worse yet yeah, one day the sun's coming up one day Jesus is coming back but till then we we need some exhortation from the brethren so what I'm saying is if we have church tonight, you should be here tonight. Well, preacher, I'll just, just come once a week. Well, what well, maybe part of our discouragement is we're coming less instead of more. People say, well, Sunday night, Wednesday night, crowds are off and they get getting worse and it's because we don't have kids programs. No, 
we've allowed the world to encapsulate our minds to think everything has to be about entertainment. And the Bible said that the church, the house of God, the assembling of brethren should be a place of exhortation. So tonight, you come back at five, we should exhort. The singing of songs should exhort you. The preaching of the word of God should challenge and exhort you. And just being around each other should exhort. That's why when we have men's prayer breakfast, you ought to come. It's not because you're not a good Christian. If you don't come, it's because, men, we need to exhort each other. Ladies, when they have ladies' meetings, when the kids have kids' meetings and the, uh, the teens have teen meetings, instead of saying, well, my kid doesn't want to come, they want to go do this instead. No, they need to be here. They need to be exhorted by God's people. And, and the, the deficiency that we find in the church is the fact that we need each other. God has designed this thing that we need Him but that we need each other. We're the bride of Christ and, and the Bible likens us to a body and that body has different parts and those different parts need each other. You cannot, if you don't have any hands or feet, you have to depend on somebody else to feed you. If I have a hand, uh, my hand feeds my mouth, right? Now you can say, well, preacher, you can put the food on the burn and just reach out and eat it. Okay, well, you're going to look like some nut job. Every part of the body is needed by another part of the body. But when part of that body is missing, it hurts the whole body. Agree? Can you get around it? Sure. Yeah, if I don't have a hand, I can stick my face down in a plate of mashed potatoes and eat them. That's fine. You can do that. But I'd rather take my fork in my hand and eat it that way. It'd be better, would it? So what I'm saying is, as we see the day approaching, we need each other more, right. not less. John chapter 3, verse number 15. The Bible said that whosoever, I like that, believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We like that, but we stop there, don't we? Verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. Now notice this, verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son. Right. So see, when people say, well, I'm not a bad person, I'm not going to go to hell. The Bible said right there that you are condemned already. So we're already in a condemned state. And because of the love of Christ, he takes us out of that condemned state according to the scripture, those that believe on him. And that belief is not a, I believe in God. That belief is a trusting, right? That you, you fully place trust in him. So when we read that in context, first of all, Everyone is not saved, right? You, you weren't saved from your mother's womb. You, weren't, you didn't grow up saved. There's a transaction, a decision that has to be made. There's an offer and an acceptance that has to be made. So in this scripture, I, I want to preach a thought. We, are, we as the church are to love what God loves. Can we agree with that? Is it, I was laughing because interesting, Miss Susan chose that song to play, Jesus Loves Me, because one of the things I was thinking about this morning uh, when I was getting my thoughts ready for the message, when we say God, we are to love what God loves, 
And most people, if we're honest, Brother Johnny, will think, well, God loves me. So I love me. Right? And she chose that song. I'm like, she's picking my brain. She's in my head. But I thought, you know, we, we don't. We, everything's about us, even our Christianity is what, what do I get out of it, how do I feel, and what do I think, and how, how does this make me feel. And we're not understanding that God loves us, but he wants us to love what he loves. And a lot of times we're, we want to put so much emphasis on the side of me and that God loves me, and so therefore I must love me, and everything. we, it make, we become our own idol. We make ourselves our own idol. It's idolatry, right? It, everything's got to be about me, how I feel, what I think, my, my comfort, my reaction, what others do to me. And that's not the love of Christ because we're, if we're like Jesus, he commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So if we really understand the love of God and we're going to love what God loves, we have to love how he loves and we can't do that outside the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't do it in your flesh. So I'll say this, God is love. Agree? But we have to stop equating love to what we think Valentine's Day is, right? Valentine's Day, you love me, you give me flowers and candy, and you do all these nice things for me. And, and that is a type of love, but that's not the kind of love God's talking about. God's talking about the kind of love that when you offered him absolutely nothing, you had nothing to give him, he still loved you. And so God is love, but God is holy and righteous. That's who the Old Testament we're talking this morning uh, in Leviticus. He said that God is holy. The New Testament, he says, be ye holy for I am holy, right? So he's holy and he's love. And Calvary is what shows the love of God and satisfies the holiness of God at the very same time. So John 3.16 is God's proof that he loves the whole world. Well, you can say anything you want to say. I love God. But how have you proven that you love God? God proved he loved you, John 3, 16. Amen. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. So to be Christ-like, I have to love what and who God loves. Now, again, I, we laugh because you're like, yep, God loves me. So I love me. Self-care, right? No, you're missing the point. So... Why do we tell others about Christ? Why do we run buses? Why do we have a Spanish ministry? Why have a children's ministry? Why support missions? Why do we preach and teach the truth of the gospel knowing it will, be, will not be popular and be rejected? Because we love what God loves. And what God loves is God loves truth and God loves people. And so we love truth and we love people because God loves them. Well, you say, I can't love them for what they did for me. Listen, folks, you need to get off of your, your superficial, uh, secular mindset of this temporal love of I can only love people. People that love me or you're not going to love very many people. The first time they cross you, the first time they don't do what you want them to do, you're going to write them off. You don't believe it, Christians do it too, amen. If we're going to have the kind of, I want you to think for just a minute. I don't want you to think about your wife, your husband, your friend, the people that offended you. I don't want you to think about the Democrats or the Republicans or, you know, whoever you, 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 you despise. I don't want you to think about it. I want you to think about you. What have you done in your life? If you were honest, according to the word, I'm not, I'm not asking you about your feelings or your thoughts. I'm asking you according to God's word. What have you done in your life that has offended God?
Now, if you're sitting here right now saying nothing, you've just offended God. Have you ever lied? Well, yeah, but I'm not a liar. No, by definition, you are. You ever stole anything? Well, I mean, just something small, a paper clip. You're a thief. Right? Have you ever committed adultery? Well, no. Well, the Bible said if you look on a woman lust after, you've committed adultery in your heart. You ever killed anybody? Well, no. Bible said if you hate your brother, guess what? You, you, it's the same as murder. Right. How are we doing? Guilty. I mean, you, you may as well just, in the box it says innocent and guilty, you may as well just check guilty. See, you, the, Jew, the Jews didn't hang Jesus on the cross. The Roman soldiers didn't hang Jesus on the cross. Your sins and mine hung Jesus on the cross. So if he loved me, when I despised him and blasphemed him and totally went against everything he's ever told me to do, right? If if I have done all those things, don't worry about the don't worry about the transgenders and don't worry about the homosexuals. That's you need to look in the mirror and say, I hung Jesus on the cross. Right? So if God loved you, committed his love toward you, and that while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. He forgave you. He continually forgives you. I'm, I'm, getting, ready to, I'm getting ready to hurt your feelings, so get ready. What right in the world do you have to have anything against anybody else? What have they done to you that you haven't done to God? How we doing? You don't understand what they did to me, preacher. I just can't forgive them. You need to get right with God. No, no, they need to get right with God. They may, but see, you can't change that. You have to get right with God. If you can't forgive them, you need to get right with God. Right? I don't even know if I'm going to get the message. I'm, 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 I'm like in this field I'm in right now. How can, how, who, why do we have the right to sit on our spiritual high horse and look down our nose at people and say, I just can't forgive them. When God has forgiven, listen, you're the reason Jesus went to the cross. Are you elevated higher than God? Am I? Then what right do we have not to forgive? Well, they said some bad things about me on Facebook. They weren't appreciative. They apologized to me and didn't even mean it. My point is, because he loved us, we're to love other people. Love is action. And may we be a church of action because we love what God loves. Those folks that went out yesterday and handed out, what, almost 500 tracts? They didn't do it for their health. They didn't do it because they got a free breakfast. There was something inside of them saying, you know what? I, I need to get the gospel to people that need to hear it. Right? My, here's, here's, here's what I want to share with you quick. I'm, I'm not going to preach long. Too tired to preach long. Give you three points out of this scripture. Number one, I want you to see the giver. Verse 16, for God. 
Every good gift, every perfect gift cometh from where? He's the giver. He's the giver. This morning, he's given you life. He's given you breath. He's given you the opportunity to be here this morning to hear the gospel one more time. He's given you the opportunity uh, to come before him and repent. He's given you the opportunity to pray. He's the giver. Amen. Everything you have, God has given you. He's allowed you to have because he's a good God. And this morning, in this scripture in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he what? Gave. He's, it's the proof of love. Listen, if the only time you ever give your wife is a card once a year says, Honey, I love you. It's got some sappy saying in it. You don't love her like you say you do or you're not showing it anyway. One time a year? Come on, man. Show her every day. Ma'am, if... if, Well, I got him a fishing rod for uh, Valentine's Day to show him how much I loved him. What about the other 364 days a year? Right? Now, if you take him out for a steak, 100% I agree with you. Right? Sir, you take her out for a steak one time a year, that's borderline showing love, I feel like, don't you? But the proof, you have to prove love, right? You can't just say, God God says it in his word, but he proves it with the cross of Calvary. And God proves his love and not holding back his best. Do you realize that, that nothing else would satisfy God? Nothing else would pay for your sins? No one else could do it but Jesus Christ And God offered his son and Jesus because he loved you as she played and because God loves you, Jesus willingly went. It cost God the very best he has to pay for my sorry soul and yours. If we love what God loves, let me ask you this. What are you willing to give? Oh, preacher, just because I don't give tithes and offerings. I'm not talking about that. God wants you. God wants you. He can do more with you than he can with your pocketbook. Yes, sir. He wants all of you, man, not just what's in your pocket. He wants your brain and your eyes and your mouth and your, your, your I, the Bible says, what's the greatest commandment? That we're to love the Lord God with what? Everything we got. That's what he wants out of you. And by the way, if you say you're saved by the grace of God, that's what he deserves out of you and me. The best we have. The proof of love. If we love God, what are we willing to give to him? And then the power of love. The Bible said, for God so loved the world that he loves the whole world shows his power to love. Well, he, he... Does he mean the Jews that hung him on the cross? The ones that said, we'll not have this man rule over us? Absolutely. Is he talking about folks that reject him? Absolutely. Is he talking about folks that will never, that'll sit in a service like this and say, no, sure he is. God, if Whether or not you love God does not determine whether or not God loves you. See, the fact that he will save whosoever shows the power of love. His condition is you have to be a whosoever and come to him. He didn't ask you to be good. He didn't ask you to be righteous. He didn't ask you to be a certain religion. He didn't ask you to be a certain denomination. He didn't ask you to have a certain amount of intellect, a certain amount of money. He didn't ask you to have a certain color of skin. He didn't ask you to have a certain type of of whatever. He said whosoever. That shows you the power of God's love that he's willing to say whosoever, I'll forgive you no matter. Listen, you. 
you take the vilest sinner that's committed the most heinous sin you and I could imagine, God said, I'll save them. You say, that doesn't make any sense to me. That's because you're not God. If it made sense to you and made sense to me, I wouldn't want to serve that kind of God because it would mean his intellect and mine are the same. He's so much higher than us. He's so much greater than us. And he's saying, listen, he took Paul, who was a Christian murderer, and made him possibly the greatest Christian that's ever walked the face of the earth. He, he's taken people that you and I would write off, and they come, and you say, man, if, if they got it, hallelujah, that is a miracle. Sure it is. Every person that has ever been born again is a miracle of God. If God healed you from cancer, you'd say, oh, let's rejoice. God provided a miracle. Man, the moment you got saved, that was the greatest miracle. Hallelujah. So the power of God's love is summed up in the gospel. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first also to the Greek. So God is saying in his word, the power of my love is found in the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the giver, but notice number two, the gift. For God so loved the world that he gave what? Or who? His only begotten son. Now may I say this? It doesn't say one and only son. It's his only begotten son. Why is that important? Because when you get saved, we become sons of God. So what is this gift? It is his adored son. God gave the greatest gift he could. You know how you know? Now watch. You know how you can tell with yourself if you really are a giver? I'm not talking about looking, again, examine yourself. That you're willing to give the most valuable thing that you have to the person you say you love. Right? I mean, you ever met somebody who's like, they'll give you, we say they'll give you a shirt off their back. You know what they're saying? He's a giver because stuff doesn't matter to him. Right? It's like somebody said, oh, well, I need, the Lord lays on my heart, Brother Shane, give Brother Shane a watch. I said, oh, that's a nice watch. I got one at home that's not as nice. I'm going to keep this nice watch, but I'm going to give him the not-so-nice watch. Then I walk around my merry way and go, oh, I feel good because I gave him the not so but I got to keep the good stuff for me. You say, well, at least I gave him a watch. Well, remember, remember Jesus was in the temple. The Bible said he's sitting there and watching people put money in the offering plate. Right? And he said, there's these guys that came up, and they gave a lot. And he's watching them. The disciples, they're putting a lot of money in the plate. Then there's this little woman comes up, and she puts just a little bit in there. And Jesus looked at them and said, she gave more than they did. And they looked and said, no, 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 wait, Jesus. She gave like just two pennies. They were giving thousands of dollars. He said, yeah, but see, they were giving out of their abundance. 
she gave all she had. That's a giver. The one that give all they got is the giver. The one that just gives out the abundance is a tipper. Right? See, God didn't tip. He gave. He took the most valuable thing he had, his son, and said, I love you enough. I'm willing to give. Remember in the Old Testament, Abraham, God, God told him, said, I want you to take your son Isaac. And I want you to bring him up there. I want you to sacrifice him. Now, no, no time does it say, I, I heard somebody say this, but it was revealed in the New Testament. He said, well, either two, one or two things uh, he knew, that God was going to raise Isaac from the dead, or number two, that God wouldn't let him do it because he's a promised son, right? Well, the thing is, he, was, he went all the way up to the top, had the knife up in the air, yes, and then sir. God said, listen, stop. And he provided a lamp. Now would you have done that? See, we, we, we give God out of our abundance. If I got a little extra time, I'll read my Bible. If I got a little extra time, I'll go to church. But some of you, listen, I, and I get it. It's Super Bowl Sunday. I hear preach, if you got to... Cancel your service because Super Bowl Sunday, you're not right with God. And if you miss church because of Super Bowl, that sounds good. But listen, if you, if you love the 49ers or the, who's the other team in it? Somebody knows. The Chiefs. If you love them more than Jesus, stay home and watch Super Bowl. Now you pose it that way and people go, well, now wait a minute, preacher. I'd not say I love. Well, I don't even know who's in the thing. But it's a Super Bowl. So? It's a football game. It's a football game. And it'll be on after church if you want to watch it. You see what I'm saying? Well, we give God out of our abundance. If I have time, I'll go. If nothing else comes up, I'll go. If I got time, I'll read. If I got time, I'll pray. If I got a little extra, I'll put an offering plate. And we can't understand why we don't we don't understand the love of God. Because he gave his adored son. He was the only acceptable sacrifice. And God proved how much he loves you by giving his adored son. But not only that, he gave, gave an abundant salvation. Notice God is satisfied with what he gave. Jesus is, go back to Abraham and Isaac. Did you notice, I know you did, that that lamb that was caught, the Bible said he was caught by what? Why was it? Because the sacrifice had to be perfect and without blemish. And if those thorns would have caught him anywhere else, he would have a tear or he would have a blemish. So it caught him right there in the horn. Hallelujah. You know what God did for you? Nothing you offer him is good enough to pay for your sins. Right? The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Notice the contrast, the, the, the wages of sin. You can pay for it, but you'll always pay for it. You'll never satisfy the, the, the debt. But the gift of God, you know what you do with the gift? You receive it. And so there's an abundant salvation in the fact that God is satisfied. If you're, Can I say this? If you're truly born again, you're satisfied with it. Hallelujah. Listen, I'm going to help you right here if you'll hold on just a minute. 
See, some of you that keep trying to earn God's favor. That's right. Oh, I'm you're always in this turmoil about earning God's favor. Oh, I just want to satisfy and please God. Oh, I feel like today, get off of that. You're not ever going to be good enough. But buddy, when you truly get born again and you realize that Jesus satisfied God and now that what I'm doing is serving him because I love him, I'm not trying to earn his favor. I'm not trying to make God love me more. Hallelujah. There is a freedom in that to know that I can let serve God out of love, not out of obligation. Some of you got your checklist. Got to read my Bible because it will make God happy. I got to pray and make God, not the way you're doing it. Got to go to church, make God happy. Not the way you're doing it. Got to go hand these tracks out or God's going to be mad at me. <laughs> you ready for this? God's probably more upset with you about your thought life than he is about your church attendance. Some <laughs> of you saying, boy, I don't want to give him in the hospital, but they should have dosed him a little different. He's more upset with your heart condition than he is what your church tenants because you get that right man your church tenants will be alright I mean if you can't come to the house of God and worship him and you sit here with, with your lip poked out and you say well I gotta go to church because that's what God expects you ought to get on your knees and face before God and, and get develop some type of relationship with him to where it's a joy to be in the house of God amen amen Man, if you can't enjoy being with him outside the house, God, just coming here ain't going to do a thing for you. See, so there's an abundant salvation. It's not just good enough. It is way good. Amen. And then number three, I want you to see the ones that this is gifted to. Notice the last part of that verse, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So, so who he's offering it to? A perishing world. Now listen to me. This world is not going to get better. This country probably is not going to get better. He said, oh, yes, preacher. Now, I'm telling you, when those Republicans get in, joke. If you believe that, I've got some oceanfront property in Arizona. I'll be glad to sell you. They're in there now. They're in there now. They're scared. They're scared to withhold funding to shut the government down oh we'll shut the government down we can't do that we'll shut the government down what you gonna shut down their paycheck you got very few people got any guts up there oh yeah but they got they got uh, you know what they did man they're all them we got to vote pro-life because they're on our side they're not on your side most of them are not pro-life they're whatever they got to be to get your vote. Yep. We're going, oh, if they just, if we could have a Republican House and a Republican Senate and a Republican President, we're back on track. We've had that before. America needs God. Churches need God, right? So because, because you're dealing with imperfect men, they're going to make imperfect laws 
right? And we're just going to keep going down this same way. It's all about money, honey. Right? And let's be honest. Most conservatives, all they got to do is offer you something. Well, they're going to give me more stuff than this guy's going to give me, so I'm voting for him. Every time they give you something, it comes with a string attached to it. Somebody got to pay for it. Right? So my point being is, if things are continually going to get worse, this world's perishing. It gets worse. Oh, if we could pass some laws. We got so many laws. You know, we got laws for laws. And we still don't know what they are. And even if you got them, that don't mean anybody's going to anybody's going to enforce them, right? Well, what we need to do is in we need some laws that, about the border. Already got them, right? What we need some do is some laws about all these people breaking into houses. Already got them, right? You got to change man's heart. What we need some laws. You know, we got to have some of these uh, hate speech laws. Why? So people won't verbalize what they still have in their heart. Right? You know what all these laws have gotten you now? You've lost your free speech. you got to change a man's heart. You know how you change a man's heart? John 3.16. You know what we're, what we're not trying, Brother Foy? John 3.16. There's a perishing world out there. And Jesus died for a perishing world. And you were part of that perishing world right up to the moment you received him as your Savior. And so when we look at the gifted or the scope of God's love, it is to a perishing, the whole world, every person, every religion, every race, every nation, every denomination, those who will believe and those who don't believe, do you love a perishing world? Oh, I sure do. I love everybody. But you won't go across the street to tell them about Jesus. Amen. We just said, friend and family day. How many of your friends and family did you invite? Good. Right. Well, I thought this, the visitation team went out and did that yesterday. No, no. I'm, I'm asking about you. Amen. Who do you love? Amen. Well, I love my family. Did you love enough, enough to invite them to friends and family day? Well, I don't want to offend them. You ever told them about Jesus? Well, I don't want to upset them. See, here's the thing. There's coming a day where you and your loved one will draw your last breath or the rapture will take place. And on the other side of that, the separation will be for eternity. There's a perishing world that God loves. I don't, I don't know people. I don't know people in South Africa. I know, I know very few people in South Africa. The ones I do, Brother Shane, are missionaries. But I'm supposed to love South Africa enough to get the gospel to them. 
That's why we give to missions. That's why we support missionaries. It's not so we can have a bunch of cards on the wall. Right? Those little kids riding those buses, I don't know them. I don't know their situation. I don't know if they're saved or not saved. I don't know if they've ever been to church. I don't know their their history. They may be, you know, what they they may be wonderful people. They may be troublemakers. I don't know them. But that's not the criteria God gives us for loving people. Are you ready for this? Our Spanish ministry. I don't know how many of them is legal and how many is illegal. I had somebody ask me, said, is everyone in your Spanish ministry legal? I said, have no idea. Well, don't you think you should? I said, nope. Wasn't that breaking the law? Well, let me ask you something. Let me check your tax returns out. Because I'd get there and say some of you are defrauding the government. Let me check your driving record. And have you got any speeding tickets? That's breaking the law, by the way. All got quieter now. You don't like to come across the border breaking the law, but you don't mind breaking it, do you? Now, I'll say this. I'm not, I'm not for, I'm not for this, all this going on. But I don't want them to die and go to hell. Just because they didn't get here the way we think they, they got here. You ever thought maybe they get saved and taught to obey the law, they might go back and come the right way. Yep. Am I still on? There's a perishing world. Quickly, it's a personal work. That whosoever is individual. Personal salvation. He loved the world, but salvation is personal. So I'll finish with this. Two things. One, what have you personally done with Christ? I grew up in church. Great. Been baptized. Wonderful. My daddy was a preacher. Great. It's not what I asked you. What have you done with Christ? Have you ever come to a place where you've recognized you were a sinner? That you are part of that whosoever. Amen. And asked him to be your savior. That's right. If not, he died for you. Yes, he he loves you. Uh, Second thing I want to ask you, you're here today. You say, I'm Christian. I'm saved by the grace of God on my way to heaven. Hallelujah. Do you love what he loves? That's right. Amen. Good. Yes. You say, sure I do, preacher. I love sinners and I want people to go to heaven. Do you love his church? Do you love his people? Right. I sure do. I love, I love. Well, who do you have ought against? Come on. Good. Well, you don't understand. I've forgiven them four or five different times, and I'm just done. That's right. <laughs> Said, should I, remember Peter? Lord, should I forgive my brother seven times? Seven was a lot. He said, how about 70 times seven? How you doing now? Are you willing to accept the grace of God but not extend the grace of God to others? You don't know what they did to me, but what would you do to him? We've already acknowledged all that we've done to him, yet he forgave us. Now we need to forgive others. Let's stand together.
bow our heads. Love what God loves. You love his word? He does. Love his church? He does. Love sinners? He does. If you're here today, you've never trusted him as your savior. No one's looking around. Won't you do this for me? Would you slip your hand up and say, Pastor, if I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. I want you to pray for me. Would you do that? Nobody will come to you. Won't embarrass you. Won't pray for you. If I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there one? Is there one? You're here today. You know you're saved. But there's something not right. Why don't you come this morning and make it right? You can harbor that bitterness, hold on to it as long as you want to. But it's destroying you. He's forgiven you. Forgive others. That may just be the key to unlocking what God wants in your life. Come on, mind God. Hallelujah.